South Bay Contra invites you to our monthly Contra Dance, featuring live music by Mason Weed Band with fiddle and guitar. Dance Calling is by Jackie Grennan from Los Angeles. The Contra Dance takes place from 2.30 to 6 p.m. on Sunday, November 19th at First Unitarian Church of San Jose, 160 North 3rd Street, San Jose. No experience or partner is needed, and all ages are welcome. This event is wheelchair accessible and is a benefit for Bay Area Country Dance Society and First Unitarian Church of San Jose. For more information, call 408-341-9123 or visit www.bacds.org slash sbc. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.31. We return to Jack and Nina. Well, Jack, minus Nina, unfortunately, um, Nina is plagued by some sciatica. We had hoped that she'd be able to come into the studio for this today, but unfortunately, she was not able to come. I want to open with a couple of announcements, or three of them, because I may not be able to have time to make them, or a few announcements, uh, on next week's program. Uh, One is the uh, grief we all feel for Latif Harris, who died on Sunday, October 15th. I'll have a little more to say about Latif on a future show. But the announcements I want to make. Um, Julie Rogers and Jean Burson will be reading at Burden Beckett, 653 Chenery Street in San Francisco, Monday, November 6, 7 to 9. And there's an uh, open reading that follows the poet's reading. Julie Rogers was the wife of David Melser, and there'll be a tribute to David Melser on Sunday, November 12th, from 3 to 5 p.m. That will be at San Francisco State University campus in the Humanities Building, 133. And I'm sure you'll be able to find it if you go out to San Francisco State University. Reading that day will be Clark Coolidge, George Herms, Jack Hirschman, Marina Lazara, Michael McClure, Julie Rogers, Jerome Rothenberg, and Sonny Lynn Thibodeau. On recording will be Diane de Prima and Lawrence Ferlinghetti. I'm sure it'll be a very fine event. Tribute to David Melser, 3 to 5 p.m., Sunday, November 12th. And on Monday, November 13th, there will be a celebration of the new edition of Jerome Rothenberg's Technicians of the Sacred. That will be at City Light Books, 261 Columbus Avenue in San Francisco, Monday, November 13th at 7 p.m. It's a wonderful collection. I'll be doing a show about it, I'm sure. And it's got all kinds of stuff, and Sagi and I will be there. Jerome Rothenberg will be there. Ivan Arguez, Michael Palmer, Al Young, Andrew Schellen, and Eleni Stekopoulos. A whole bunch of people to celebrate this wonderful reemergence, revision of a marvelous and significant book, of the 20th century. Now, Nina didn't leave us high and dry. That would be completely unlike Nina. And she has some things she's going to be telling you and reading you. And they're coming up right now. These are some poems I've written over the years. I'm going to begin with seasonal poems. One about autumn. Autumn flames into being 
so quietly that it feels like summer, with just a yellow streak on the tall stalks, the trees thinning so slightly. You want to hold on to summer, its fruits and flowery lushness. But there is that force again, so much greater than what you want, what you wish, what you crave, bigger than how you think things should be or the way they could be if only what you wish, what you want, what you crave had the power of gravity, the voice of thunder, the flash of lightning for catching attention. You can't paste a fallen leaf back on a branch. It doesn't work, nor personal magnetism. The seasons move on, changing conditions. You just have to cope with as best you can, mobilizing energy and movement with stillness. Sunsets move slowly across the sky. Sunrise awakens new birds as geese in formation change direction, honking farewell in their flight. And you stay rooted in this ground, looking around to see what's to come. This poem is also about seasons, and it's called Eight Days of Rain Expected After Five Winters of Drought. Threats of water rationing and changes of landscaping preferences from lawns to cactus. It is raining as expected. I miss the sunshine, but it is too disloyal to say so. I wanted to go out walking. Visitors leave wet umbrellas on the covered doorsteps to dry. I'd almost forgotten about muddy shoes and dripping clothes. But here again is the precious rain, and more of it to come, nourishing, cleansing, a steady song against the drain pipes, roof and window. The gray dampness of everything, like this war, which has only sort of ended. Our own dead begin their flight home. Their numbers have finally stopped, though Iraqs continue due to civil war and the hidden devastation of water, food, and hospitals. The rain hides our shame of instigating war, war, and war again. Bedraggled yellow ribbons celebrate the courage of a mercenary army from a home front without jobs. Last week, it rained too. On my sorrow, at my friend Ray's funeral. The sky wept with me at her passing. Her words filled the room in the voice of a child reading them. This season always brings us to Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead and Halloween. This is a Dia de los Muertos poem for Daniel del Solar, which was written when he was 70 and facing a terminal diagnosis. As transparent as a victimless crime, nested in the charanga, the plena, the mambo, the cha-cha-cha, the steps leading away from the scene, the faint whiff of an odorless smell, the ironic smile digesting the gloom, roots deep in the groove, timeless, 
as constant struggle. After years of combating his illness with great courage and great joy and some sorrow, Daniel died, and this is the Dia de los Muertos poem I wrote for him that year. The angel of death last night was with us, who sat vigil at Danielle's house in his long hours struggling to let go of life. Danielle, so devoted to sucking its sweetness from moments and seconds, discovering people, antiquities, rocks, shells, papers, vistas, sunsets, blown glass, and art of every description in his hour-by-hour adventures. I had played his poem on the radio that afternoon, and a listener called saying he had met that man reciting the poem in front of a glass display of jadeite at the Olmeca exhibit at the de Young Museum. And the man gave him his card, which he lost, and now hearing the poem and the voice, he was sure it was Danielle who had admired the stone out loud and in response to the caller, pulled out one just like it from his pocket, and Danielle had marveled. Now, the listener said, he was sitting in his garden in the sunlight, listening to the radio, working on such a piece of jadeite, when he heard the poem. He wanted to give Danielle this piece, I said sardonically to hide my pain. Too late, he's dying. The listener said, I can finish today, I'll bring it. So even in Danielle's dying, these adventurous encounters go on. The poem, the stone carving, and me. Witness of this marvel of flesh and bone that shrunken and bloated with fluid and bruised with the battle scars of the wrestling with the angel of death who licked at his heels for these last six years as he jumped on and off planes fast as his electronic cameras could click and I would pick him up at the airport. Now the eternal angel spreads those mighty wings. We, the caring sisters, can hear the invisible swish of air in our vigil. The hospice brings its death by morphine, but it is nothing compared to this greater force. Do not go gentle into that good night, Danielle would quote, and I would think, gentle, gentle is the way to go. Why rage, rage, rage? Now I watch him, weakened and sedated, and yes, he is raging, raging, raging. And I and my vigilant, loving sisters and his glorious mother, the Queen of Art, will bathe him in light to go gentle, gentle, gentle on to the next journey. This poem is also about Dia de los Muertos, and it was for Alfonso Texedor, a Mission District street poet. It's called Poetry and Heart. Always hard to find by email or phone. You need only walk along La Calle 24 and he emerges with a sweet smile. A resilient street flower growing despite the concrete crushing forces. Greeting compadres always with a little something to share. Blooming with words of the future. 
He tells of upcoming events in two languages, in El Tecolote, the bilingual neighborhood newspaper, and in two tongues recites poems, his own and by others. Alfonso walks the wild city landscape, a cane, a limp, a hard way to go, with spirit, with courage, and always with poetry. This is a journal entry I made on November 14th, 2011. It was really thrilling. I cried. I was moved and proud of Oakland. I got to the rally late in front of the library. They were already marching. I drove around to park. Cops everywhere rerouting traffic because the marchers took up 14th Street. I parked on 12th and Harrison and hurried in an old woman way to join up. I knew no one on the march. It was getting dark. I could see this was a big march. It felt like thousands. I wasn't sure where it was going. All of a sudden, we were coming up upon Oscar Grant Plaza. That's when I cried. We had retaken the very space we had been thrown out of, and so many more people, more people than police, unlike when they decamped everyone in the pre-dawn with hundreds of police. We multiplied people power. Speakers were discussing tomorrow's support for UC Berkeley. They discussed the protocols for the General Assembly. No mics, just chanting and using that method of repeating what the speaker on the megaphone says. When they were about to break up into smaller groups for discussion, I realized I was cold, tired, and hungry. That Paul would be worried I didn't have my cell phone. It was time to walk back to the car. The police were very relaxed and not that many of them. The ground at the plaza was very muddy. I left it to the young people to figure it all out. It's my turn to follow. This is an older butterfly poem called Butterfly Moment, and it's from my collection called Book of Science. There is a beautiful colored butterfly fluttering its wings a thousand miles away from me that turns my head as if I had been called by name leaving me to decipher this message without language. Does that explain why I linger, why I dilly-dally, pausing even mid-word to catch the unheard communique? There lives a white butterfly, perhaps more aptly called a moth. When it flies past me, it means a poem was written somewhere, maybe nearby. I never ask. It is enough to feel this moment that a butterfly initiated. This next butterfly poem was not by me, but by my friend, the late Francisco Arlacón, and this is his own English version of the poem. No, the butterfly does not know that she will be a butterfly. She only knows that she cannot account for this feeling that makes her wriggle blindly, touching the walls and finding a window in her cocoon. Oh, how she unknowingly grew in there. No, the butterfly didn't know that before she'd been larva. 
she simply extends her wings and beautifies the space, initiating endless events across the universe. And with open eyes, she dreams. Francisco Arlacón. This next poem, in fact, these next two poems are so recent, they were written at dawn. Smoke. When the 64 fires fried the California air, throat dry, coughing, eyes smarting, vision blurry, you could see across the street but not beyond. Our beautiful world, a foul, charred disaster. Firefighters and women prisoners joined by volunteers from other states and regions fought the burn that climate deniers flamed. End of October, beginning of November. The veil lifts. Spirits come rushing in over the tumbling walls. The jubilee begins. The living and the dead drop their fear. Building altars of memory beyond the grave burial mounds, art erupts in a blast of imagination and the cover of darkness breaks down the separation of what is living and the love that never dies. This is the very first autumn poem I ever wrote. It's called Autumn Love Poem, and it's from my first book, Heart Songs. Autumn Love Songs Love day through the park of fallen twigs and leaves, autumn brightness as crisp as curls yearning to be free, autumn falling on us, I will watch some seasons change with you in the subtlety of Northern California's climate, gentle as its fog. Changes, changes, soft and slow. Love's heart opens with the redness of apples ripe on backyard trees. Eve eats of the apple and so does Adam. Autumn's serpent entwines us. I stand on summer's storehouse, harvesting the joy, the beauty, and the timeless pleasure of knowing you. These next two poems are actos. Actos are eight lines of eight syllables. Lines four and five rhyme. Lines six, seven, and eight repeat the first three lines in descending order. Got that right? No, I know you don't. But just sit back, listen, and I hope enjoy. The first one is called Octo, Impatient Daffodil. The impatient daffodil bursts into bloom under the street lamp, flowering in winter instead of heralding spring's arrival. She hints at problems of survival. Flowering in winter instead into bloom under the street lamp, the impatient daffodil bursts. The second octo is called Healing Plants. Healing Plants. Being with plants, among them, can you feel them? Feel what they say to you, with you, inside your heart? Telling of their secret code, they say it simple, say it pure, to you, with you, inside your heart. Can you feel them, 
feel what you say to you, with you, inside your heart? This is my newest butterfly poem. It's called Butterfly Song, but because of my cold, I won't sing it. Maybe next month you'll hear it with music. Butterfly Song Oh, the butterfly, as she ages through the stages of her life, Growing wings now, she is flying. She was dying, then born anew. Oh, the caterpillar, as she ages through the stages of her life. Growing wings now, she is flying. She was dying, then born anew. Jack, I want to congratulate you on your new book, Grief published by Sagging Shorts. I've been reading it and I'm enjoying the literary and vicarious adventures I go on as I read grief. I never know what I'm going to encounter next as I slide from the lyrical to the experimental and challenging to the tenderly heartbreaking and even funny and mind-boggling, all happening in one sitting putting it down with a bookmark to know where I was because you never know how it ends, except that you do. The book Grief by Jack Foley also contains a CD, and we all know how exciting and deft he is with spoken word. I mean, we listen to him happily and weakly. I will be making what I think of as my first open heart appearance soon, That is, my first poetry reading since heart surgery. The reading will be with the Revolutionary Poets Brigade Poets. The reading will be on Sunday, November 19th, at the Howard's Inn Book Fair in San Francisco from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. The Howard's Inn Book Fair will be held at 1125 Valencia Street in San Francisco, 1125 Valencia Street in San Francisco. The Revolutionary Poets Brigade's new anthology, Overthrowing Capitalism, Volume 3, edited by Jack Hirschman, Aggie Falk, and John Curl, will be available. I will be reading, along with Manad Badahan, Lincoln Bergman, John Curl, Carol Denny, Rafael Jesus Gonzalez, Martin Hickel, Gary Hicks, Jack Hirschman, Sarah Menifee, Gregory Pond, Brenda Cantanilla, Angelo Sakis, Kathleen Williams, Mario Abril Zanetti, and Andrina Zawinski. That Sunday, November 19th, from 1 to 2.30, at the Howard's Inn Book Fair, in San Francisco. If you're there, be sure to say hello to me. Thanks. Be well. And that was our own Nina Serrano. Thank you, Nina, and thank you for the good words said about my new book. Um, I, I have to make a couple of corrections. It isn't called Grief, it's called Grief Songs, and it wasn't published by Sagging Shorts, press, but by sagging meniscus press. There is a difference. Um, But thank you. And and on the phone, she said, you know, I'm going to talk about your book. You should read something from it. So I'll just read a poem from it. Um, This actually is also in 
the Cafe Review. Um, Yarza, June 27th, 2017, for Adele. It is what the Jews call Yarzite, a year since your death. The word stings. If you retain any consciousness of the world, you know that I have found a new love. She has been a wonder and a comfort in my grief for you. I think you would have liked her and mothered her. Going through your dresser drawer as we attempt to find room for her things, she found a fancy, almost comically sexy garter. I had forgotten it, but recognized it immediately. You wore it only once, on the night of December 21st, 1961, our wedding night. You kept it, as you kept many other things, for all these years. How we formed each other. How we treasured each other's hearts. If the stories are true, you may be in bliss while I find my way through this quivering wall of sorrow and tears and love. My first love, my dear first love, it has been a year. Has it been a year? Yours, I. Your ashes remain in the vanishing morning light. Well, my late wife, Adele. And uh, a listener phoned and wanted to get correct information about the um, tribute to David Meltzer. I thought I'd announced it, but uh, she wanted to know where it is. The tribute to David Meltzer will be 3 to 5 p.m. Sunday, November 12th, and it will be at San Francisco State University campus in the Humanities Building, number 133. It's an odd place to have it, but that's where it is, at the San Francisco State University campus, Humanities Building 133. I guess you go to the San Francisco State Humanity or University campus and you will be able to find the building there. So um, I got something else in the mail as well, along with the Cafe Review, and that is Persian Pony. It's a new book by Michael McClure. And it's just out from Ecstasis Editions in Canada. He's quoting, the title comes from uh, Garcia Lorca, A thousand Persian ponies fell asleep in the moonlight plaza of your forehead, while through four nights I embraced your waist, enemy of the snow. The first poem in the book. I don't know that anybody else has read any of this on the radio as yet. The soft new soul with its capsule of masks tender and quivering ascends into matter. And here I am breathing the old air the ancient breath of star formation. Everything is past understanding without inspiration and fearlessness. It's a small white dog on a leash, mindlessly waiting in the wreckage of suicide wars. Like used T-shirts and munitions, the surface of this strata also covers itself in concrete bridges and airports. But we know that, and our pulse speeds in the psychosis, 
yearning to be free. And this, this, this is freedom and liberation. That's from Michael McClure. And I'm going to close with a poem by a poet who's perhaps more or less forgotten these days. Good poet, Josephine Miles. It's called Goodbye. Did I make you angry? said Jim the professor to Daphne, the four-year-old child. She said nothing. Please accept my regrets, said Jim the professor to Daphne. She said nothing. I've got to go off to class now, said Jim, astride his bike. Won't you say goodbye? She said nothing. Off down the road he went, in a flurry of shirt-tails, blurring into the wind and rounding the corner out of sight. Goodbye, said Daphne. Thanks to Ed Mikeyew for alerting me to that poem, and thank you all for listening. Thanks, Erica Bridgman, for making it all possible. Good day, KPFA listeners. The Craneway Crafts Fair, KPFA's 47th annual holiday benefit, is shaping up beautifully. The fair takes place December 16th and 17th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the gorgeous, light-filled Craneway Pavilion on the Richmond Waterfront. We are ready to sign up volunteers to assist the exhibitors on Saturday and Sunday, plus setup on Friday. We will sign you up for a three-hour shift. The artisans and KPFA will sincerely appreciate your support. There will be 200 booths of original arts and crafts, festive food, and live entertainment at the Craneway Crafts Fair, December 16th and 17th. This is a fun chance to give back to KPFA. To sign up, please email volunteer at kpfa.org or call Kim at 